This is a Hot Pie Media Original. You gotta have hope. One of the great sayings, and we're gonna be looking at today, how do you achieve hope? What does hope mean? And how do we get more of it? And by the way, as leaders of ourselves and other people, we are leading people toward hope. The real position of leadership is to keep your people hopeful. Let me share some quotes that I like on hope. Many of the great achievements of the world were accomplished by tired and discouraged people who kept on hoping. Success comes to those who still hope, even though they've been disappointed, to those who still believe, even though they've been betrayed, to those who still love, even though they've been hurt before. Learn from yesterday. Live for today. Hope for tomorrow. Albert Einstein. Hope is a belief and a feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. To hope is to wish for something with the expectation of the wish being fulfilled. Hopefulness is somewhat different from optimism in that hope is an emotional state, whereas optimism is a conclusion reached through a deliberate thought pattern that leads to a positive attitude. When used in a religious context, hope carries a connotation of being aware of what Christians see as spiritual truth. In Christian theology, hope is one of the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, which are spiritual gifts from God. In contrast to the above, it's not a physical emotion, but a spiritual grace. Hope is distinct from positive thinking, which refers to a therapeutic or systematic process used in psychology for reversing pessimism. Hope therapy is a very successful new way of helping people. Today, we're going to be focused on hope. Let me share with you some of the new things that positive psychology is doing with hope. Your first task in any endeavor to build a business, run a life, have a family, keep your fortunes up, is to have hope. There's a growing body of research that suggests that there's a potent way to fight symptoms of depression that doesn't involve getting a prescription. That weapon? Hope. We're finding that hope is consistently associated with fewer symptoms of depression. And the good news is that hope is something that can be taught and can be developed in many people who need it. This research comes from Jennifer Chevens at the Psychology Department of Ohio State University. Chevens has discussed some of the latest research on hope. She's used a 12-step questionnaire developed by her mentor, uh, C.R. Snyder, to find out and measure hope. Hope has two components, a map or pathway to get what you want and the motivation and strength to follow that path. If you feel you know how to get what you want out of life and you have that desire to make that happen, then you have hope. The good news is that hope is something that can be developed in people. In a study she published, Chevens and her colleagues tested a hope therapy treatment with a sample of 32 people recruited from newspaper ads and flyers. The ads asked for participants willing to attend weekly group meetings designed to increase the participants' abilities to reach goals. The researchers specifically looked for people who were not diagnosed with depression or other mental troubles, but who felt dissatisfied with where they were in life. Hope Therapy seeks to build on strengths people have or teach them how to develop those strengths. We focus not on what is wrong, but on ways to help people live up to their potential. 
In this study, about half the participants took part in sessions led by trained leaders. As part of these sessions, they were taught new hope-related skills, including identifying goals, ways to achieve them, and how to motivate themselves. We're finding that people can learn to be more hopeful, and that will help them in many ways. What I think is exciting about hope therapy is the way we are learning from people who are doing very well. We've been figuring out what hopeful people are doing right and taking those lessons and developing strategies for people who are not doing so well. And the great news is it is working. We can teach people how to be more hopeful. We're in our leading expert section, and I am talking with Peter McGugan. Peter is a longtime friend of mine. And hi, Peter. Good to have you. Hi, Pat. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. And we're talking about a wonderful subject. This makes me feel all, you know, squiggly and good all over. Hope. Hope. That's what we all need, isn't it? We need a big dose of hope. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Peter, and then we're going to talk about it. Well, of course, I've been working with change and reinvention for about 25 years. Some people call me a reinventionist, which is a pretty big, funny word. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're all in a state of reinvention, aren't we? And especially now, yes. we can really feel palpable changes in the world and in America and in our hearts and our lives. And so I'm just coming out with a new book, uh, When Something Changes Everything, to really help people to understand what's happening, why it's happening, and uh, where prosperity and well-being are flowing and uh, what the future is going to look like. I, I also work in the field of trend tracking and as a futurist and talking about where things where, where things are, and then we can tell some things about where things are going. So it really is helping people to equip themselves for um, managing the next chapters of our lives. Which, of course, are, are now, you know, the anxiety levels are so high about that. And I believe, I know as you do, that hope really is the antidote to some of the fear and anxiety out there. Now, let me just ask you this question. Why do you feel hope is so essential to the future of uh, humanity and of America? Well, I hugely believe in keeping hope in my mind and my heart, you know, partly because there's 10 towns in America called Hope. And I don't know of one place called Fingers Crossed. <laughs> you know, I love that. Hope is in our hearts. Hope is a powerful energy. Right. And uh, it's a creative force for us. And if we look back on all the great teachers throughout history, you know, they were people of hope. People, Abraham, Moses, Ruth, Mary, Jesus, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, all lived with this vision, this hope in their hearts that guided them toward creating a better future without the need, and this is important, without the need to know exactly what it would look like. But they taught us to hope and to love loving life no matter what appears to be happening around us, no matter what we might think is happening around us. And so there's all kinds of evidence, and I've spent the past two years researching all kinds of amazing science and all kinds of sources of wisdom to let us realize that when we hold hope and belief in our hearts and our minds, our whole spirit expands. We're empowered. We're enlightened. Another kind of energy moves through us. And I really do believe that this major shift in awareness and values and choices that we're witnessing in America now, and it's a grassroots shift, mm-hmm. um, it is the opening up of a whole new chapter. And one of the things that I think we're all struggling with is the fear and the chaos that's being pumped into our minds and our homes and our hearts through the media. 
And I just want to ask your listeners, you know, are you trusting the media's message or are you trusting creation? I'm talking about the architecture of life that made a beautiful blue sky today, that mm-hmm. made life, that made love, that made humanity here on Earth and everything that we can see that is beautiful about life. What are you trusting? Are you trusting the fear mongers, the terrorists, right. in our media and our culture, or are you trusting, let's use the word creation, mm-hmm. the fact that mm-hmm. creation is now, and the presence of creation that creates life, that creates you and I at this moment is here with us now. And I think that we can trust that and that we can have great hope that there is a bigger plan, that there is a change, a shift happening in America for a whole lot of, you know, opportunities. You know, Winston Churchill said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity, but the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. Isn't that amazing? I, I love that quote. You know, I, and how and how apropos for right now. It, it really is. And I, I love the quotes that kind of open us up and kind of help us see things from a slightly different perspective. And one of my other favorites is, uh, it's a it's a Japanese quote, and it says, you know, since the roof blew off the house, we have a beautiful relationship with the moon. <laughs> that is certainly half full rather than half empty, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so with every loss, with every change, there is gain. And with every gain, there's also loss. We kind of lose things. And I really am witnessing and seeing that the future's prosperity is going to belong to those who give themselves and the next generations the reason for hope and the skills to create a more beautiful and sustainable dream for themselves, for their family, for America. And, uh, you know, I just think that we have to be aware that we're human beings. We've been in some ways taught that we're human havings and human doings, but we're human beings, and whatever you are being now defines you in this moment. Whatever you are believing and thinking is defining you in this moment. You know, your body creates 300 million new cells every minute of the day, and each of those cells has a peptide attached to it, which is attached to the emotions and thoughts that you're feeling when it was created. So if you're being despair and doom and gloom for an hour, you're creating 18 billion cells that are programmed to respond to that. Wow. Wow. That's a scientific definition of why not to do it, right? Exactly. And now, and in this new book that I'm coming out with, I've got all kinds of science because I need to appeal to the sort of left brain, high testosterone, you know, warriors in our, in our culture in order to get them to realize the oneness of being. And, and, and that we are human beings. So whatever you are being, if it's conflict, that's what you, is defining your moment, and that's what you are going to be creating. And right. amazing science that, you know, is showing us that this is, in fact, how creation works. Well, and, and, and all the information on neuroplasticity of the brain, that we are always rewiring our brain by what we think, which is why you can change. You know, I mean, there are, you know, there, I don't know all the brain chemistry, but I do know that they have uh, had research that people who have had strokes, you know, have completely rewired what they think and what they feel, and um, that they have chosen this one uh, woman who wrote A Stroke of Insight, um, wrote that when she had her stroke, she chose to rewire her brain more positively than it had been wired. And that's pretty fascinating that she could do that and and did, you know. Um, so 
what we're focusing on and what we're choosing is creating these energies. And, and your position, I know, is that we need to create gratitude and hope, right, Peter? Well, it, it is, and and, um, and I also think that we need to be aware, especially now with all of this fear and um, these perceptions of chaos, that whatever you are being is being witnessed not only by yourself but by the children in your life and your world and your family. So... Um, if you're being the fear, then that's what you're creating and bringing into your home. And, uh, you know, our future, you know, in America's future and the world's future is very much dependent on what we're teaching these next generations that are witnessing and learning life, you know, through us. So what you are being is what you're teaching yourself to be and what you're teaching others about handling these changes and these opportunities. So I, I know, and this was all of my work for the past two years in this book I'm coming out with, really absolutely supports the awareness that gratitude and hope are the energies that blossom opportunity and life. Well, and that's a very interesting point right now, because all of us are um, in somewhat of a scramble of how to create more opportunities. How do I create success and, and positive things within uh, the world I'm living in? And many of us uh, are, are anxious about that, and that anxiety, uh, by what you're saying, uh, creates exactly what we don't want. So gratitude and hope are where are the energies that make those opportunities happen. Now, you talk about emotional fluency. What is that? We're fluent in the English language, but we really haven't been taught to be fluent with our own emotions. In other words, to really understand them and have a great relationship with the emotions that we're feeling, generating, and choosing, and and really... Uh, Intimacy with yourself, you know, knowing yourself is to really be aware of what it is that you're being as a human being. It's that inner communication. I really believe that we really can't have a good relationship with life or with anyone else in life if we're not having a rich, loving celebration with ourselves. Of course, we live as these emotional beings, and if our emotions are out of control or if we're just following the the mass consciousness or mass awareness or following the media's fear-mongering lead, you know, then we're, we've really, we've really lost it. We've lost ourselves and I think we've lost our potentials. And so I just want to celebrate everyone who's listening to this program because what I know about the people who are hearing our voices now is that you are risk-takers, you're entrepreneurials, you're creative people, you're social engaging people. But what I love most about this is if you're listening to Pat's audio program, you're learners, you're growers, you like to improve. And and underneath that, and I like in terms of emotional fluency, I like to go right to kind of the heart of the matter. Behind and beneath as the core of all of that is that you love the possibilities of creating bringing a solution to people and a loving life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the key. I think if, there, if you remember nothing else about our conversation is that whatever you are choosing to be is defining you and what you are creating with this moment and the next moment and your days and your, and your family and your life. Absolutely. And your family and your life. Absolutely. What are authentic energies and why should we want to be authentic energies? Yeah, I'm writing about authentic energies because I think that we've largely been unplugged from a lot of authenticity of life. For instance, a four-year-old child who's such a joy, I always say to people, if you want to be excellent at life, 
find a four-year-old willing to tutor you. <laughs> I've got a five-year-old grandson who, who's yep. got it down. Let Five me tell works, you. absolutely. Yeah. Because these, when we're at that age, we are a presence. We are energy connecting with energy. We're in the now. We're of the now. The whole world is our Disneyland science, ex- science experiment. And it's just an amazing world to love. You know, these children love loving life, and they love being in themselves, and they're just a delight, and, and they're great teachers. Not always the easiest people to be around. <laughs> there are well, lots of energy. But, you know, there. the yes, exactly what you're saying, and the authenticity of it is that when he's mad, he's mad, and when he's happy, he's happy, and he's not second-guessing himself, you know? He's not saying, oh, should I be mad or should I be happy? He is what he is, and it's pure. It's pure. And, isn't, and isn't it amazing to see how he can move from one to one feeling or one energy to another? Oh, and, and yes, in a heartbeat. Let me tell you one cute story because, you know, you brought it up, but uh, it is my grandchild. So his, <laughs> na- <laughs> his name is Brayden, and Brayden is just such a cutie, of course. Every grandchild is a, a gorgeous, a lovely soul. And um, I was reading him a story. And I said to Brayden, I said, Brayden, and the story was about a dog. And I said, Brayden, you really love your little dog, don't you? He has a little chihuahua. He goes, yes, I love my dog. And I said, well, you know, Brayden, I really love you. And he looked at me and he goes, I know, Nana. I can see it in your eyes. (laughs) What pure love is that? I mean... Well, exactly. So here's a child who's got, who's got this authenticity happening. And so I want, I want to take us all through a little exercise since we're talking about love here then, okay? Sure. I want you to finish, um, this sentence. Everybody who's listening, just finish this sentence in your own mind. I really love. Okay. Did something come to you that you really love? Yes. And what did you feel and how, what did, what, what energy did you feel? Felt good. Okay. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go within your being. And if you're driving a car and listening to this, you can do this, but just pay attention to the road. But I want you to go within your being, and I want you to access that love. And I want you to feel that love and find it and open it up and really let that love open up and let that love expand and open and fill you. And let that love just wash any stress or tightness away and connect that love with your being so that you are fully and completely being that love. Let that love fill you and feel how authentic love feels. That's love. Yeah. That's love. And when we're authentically being that energy, it happens. It moves. It flows through us. Um, that when we're children, we're being authentic energies, and then we're taught to use our words, and we start to relate to the world through words, definitions, and through values. You know what something's worth, rather than through the authentic presence or reality of what it is. And you know, this is one of the reasons that your dog is often a better judge of human character than you are. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, my dog hates UPS. So, <laughs> so I don't know what judgment that is. Okay, but I, now I have to tell a story because we both know that you had a dog named Maverick who yes. used to not like UPS too. Maverick did not like brown for some reason, right? Right. 
And the absolute amazing thing was that after Maverick passed away and we were all very sad, it was the same UPS guy that delivers his ashes. I think there's a lesson about hate in there. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Now, how can we better understand the creative power of hope? We all need hope. We're we're here. We're here for hope in love. Help us understand it. Okay, now, um, one of the ways that I like to help people identify the emotions that we want to be is to really remember what the opposite emotion does to us. So I'm going to suggest that maybe the opposite of hope is complete and total despair. Mm-hmm. And if you can remember a time when you felt complete and total despair, can you remember how that felt? And how it just, it's like a black hole. It's like we're collapsing into ourselves. We feel weak. We feel empty. Right. And, and ultimately, when we're being in despair, we end up in a, only feeling comfortable in a dark room with the curtains closed. You know, we can't hardly get out of our bed. Right. And, you know, fear and despair, those dark, low vibrational energies grow in darkness. And so if you think that there's a boogeyman around, then what I want you to do is turn up the lights. I mean, really turn up the lights. Take yourself on a negativity fast or a toxicity fast. And just be aware <laughs> of all the energy, all the voices, all the stuff out there that makes you feel worried and panicked and afraid. And just take yourself on a negativity fast for just a day. And just allow yourself to have positive, good, loving, happy thoughts and be around positive, good, loving people. And you will heal yourself at a very core level. So emotional fluency is to realize that we're all in this interactive um, uh, atmosphere of energy. And there was some there was some brilliant research that was published recently. It got a lot of publicity about happiness and that happiness radiates out through people you know, through four and six people, so that if you have a happy friend, your likelihood of being happy increased dramatically. And they also did the same research and discovered that if you have a friend who suddenly just decides to eat and eat and become obese, your chances of gaining weight goes up by 56%. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know, we're all in this interactive kind of ocean of energy, and the atmosphere around us is full of intelligence and creativity that's been put there by, you know, the architect that created us. And we're, uh, we're both absorbing it and we're participating in, in, in creating, you know, what goes out there. So I think that we need to be aware of, of what's out there and what we're thinking and what we're doing. You know, there's a, there's a joke that we've heard, but I'm going to tell it again if you'll let me because I sure. love what this, what this story kind of says to us. Um, it's sort of the God will save me joke. You know, there was a big flood and the water was all around Jake's house rising steadily. And so there was Jake standing on his porch watching the water rising all around him. And a man in a boat came along and said to Jake, get in the boat. I'll get you out of here. And Jake said, no, no, thanks. You save someone else. God will save me. Jake went into the house and the water was starting to pour in. He went up to the second floor and looked out. And after a little while, another man in a boat came along and called to Jake, get in the boat. Again, Jake replies, no, save somebody who really needs it. God will save me. The water kept rising, and so Jake got out onto his roof, and a helicopter flew over, and the pilot called down to Jake, and he said, I'll drop you a rope, grab on. Jake said, no, thanks, God will save me. The water kept rising and rising until it covered the whole house, and Jake drowned. When he got to heaven, he saw God and asked him, why didn't you save me from the terrible flood? Didn't I show hope and faith? 
with a loving but slightly irritated tone, God says, what more would you have me do? I sent two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> it's really true, isn't it? And it's up to us to then reach out and, and make it happen. So it's out there for us. You know, we just, we have to be hopeful, right? So tell us more about, um, we, you know, you feel we use the word emotion in clumsy ways. Why is that? Um, you know, sometimes the English language can be very clumsy. Um, the Greek language has five words to describe different kinds of hope, kinds of love. You know, but we tend to bunch emotions, you know, thinking they're same. So that we tend to um, think that things like jealousy or greed or emotions and love and gratitude are emotions, but I really don't think they should be grouped the way we've grouped them, because if you witness... Um, what jealousy and greed do, they're like black holes to life. They just suck life energy into nothingness, whereas gratitude and hope and love are expansive energies. They expand our presence. And so for this new book, I found research that showed that when they do mind mapping of people who are feeling and being gratitude or hope, the mind just lights up. I mean, just the, the mind is much, much more engaged. The brain is engaged. There's all of this energy and so, you know, I think that light is life, and that light is the source of life. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.